Hi there. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Travel Exchange Podcast brought to you by Herman Global, a strategic tourism marketing firm providing inspirational thoughts that are worldwide and worth sharing. You can find more information about us on www.hermanglobal.com. Hello there. This is another episode of the podcast, The Travel Exchange. Welcome to the show. This is your host, Florian, and I am here in my office in Lander, Wyoming, in the United States. And yeah, so it's been now four weeks and uh, we are quarantining. But, you know, once in a while I go into the office, um, my staff is at home. But I want to just speak out and speak to the world about what we're seeing. And we're always choosing some topics for the tourism industry. And I had uh, an idea that I wanted to talk about it, which is very, very interesting. And this time, we want to talk about technology. And I always bring a host to the show. I mean, I'm the host, but I'm, I'm bringing a guest to the show. Sorry about that. Um, the, uh, the guest today is actually a friend of mine that I have been watching for a long time, and he is a very good uh, fellow in the travel and tourism industry and also a great entrepreneur. His name is Evan Saunders. And Evan Saunders is the vice president of tourism and hospitality, actually at a company, it's called Uber Media, and it's a leading mobile data analytics and business intelligence company. And they're focusing on location analysis. And Uber Media works with destinations and companies, small and large, around the world. They provide data and insights on visitors. And over 90 destinations use Uber Media right now for visitation insights. And prior to Uber Media, Evan actually founded Attract China. So he knows a lot of stuff on the Asian markets as well. And especially how to attract the Chinese travelers coming to America. And he was the CEO of a year servicing 250 clients and speaking at a lot of conferences worldwide. And what's really, really interesting is that uh, Evan is an avid traveler and a club sandwich enthusiast. And Evan documents all his adventures on the world. And I can test that, uh, that he has a website. It's called clubsandwichreviews.com, where he's showing the best club sandwiches in the world. Well, welcome to the show, Evan. I'm glad you're here today. Thanks so much. I'm uh, excited to be here. Yeah, we met uh, a very long time ago while I was still uh, at Attract China. Yes. Um, yeah, amazing to see how much uh, tourism has changed in the past decade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, technology, really, this is today the talk. And um, so that the title of this episode, I, I chose, can entrepreneurship and technology save this year's travel season? And I know we don't want to talk too much about COVID and forecasting and virologists and all this stuff. We have been doing this a lot recently. But uh, I just love inspirational thoughts and talk about entrepreneurship and what can we do to kind of uh, come out of this and kind of um, going back to kind of a new normal on that. And yeah, so I'm glad that Evan is on the show. Um, before I start, Evan, just something funny about you. I mean, how did you think you would do this blog about the club sandwich reviews? I mean, what was your thought process? I just want to hear about it. Yeah, I um, traveling is my livelihood. It's not just what I do for work. It's also my complete passion. 
in life. Um, it's what I live for. And I was living in Asia at the time, traveling a lot around Asia. And everywhere I went, I realized there was a club sandwich available. And a club sandwich is one of those things that uh, that uh, allowed uh, calmness to wash over me in a sea of uh, different types of food items uh, all around Asia. A club sandwich, though, is consistently available everywhere, especially every hotel. But no matter where I went, the club sandwich changed. And I thought to myself, who let this happen? Um, why is a club sandwich different everywhere you go? Uh, with sometimes very different ingredients. So I started documenting these as part of both a travel blog as well as reviewing club sandwiches on 10 different points. And then I realized I had the opportunity down the road to be the world-leading expert on the club sandwich. So I decided to dovetail that with all of my work and um, leisure travel and come out with a blog dedicated to club sandwiches. That's, that's funny. And um, I have to say, I, I love club sandwiches. When I came to America, I never knew what it was, but because I'm from Germany, but it's definitely also something that I like a lot when I travel around. Um, yeah. So uh, we want to talk about uh, technology today and your background is right now in, in digital and data. And I think um, the big question that everyone has is um, what can we do as users like, or as consumers uh, to share data and ultimately helping kind of keeping that, uh, that pandemic under control? I mean, that's really the question. And I know Asia has come up, come up with an app or something like this uh, where it, it shows where you're, where you're tracking and stuff like this. As well as like uh, when we looked into China, that's what the, what was the case. But then also South Korea did something. Now in Europe, they're thinking about an app that's all across the uh, countries in Europe to ultimately have one app where you can show um, like is it is it safe to travel to this area and stuff like that. But I wanted to just ask you really quick about um, when we talk about data, what is your kind of thought process? Is, do you have any ideas how app or an app or technology or data can help us controlling this epidemic? You know, there's there's a few factors that go into the idea of controlling an epidemic like this or a pandemic rather. Um, there's one thing about people not wanting to catch the coronavirus, obviously, mm -hmm. um, and controlling its spread. But then there's also the the mental factor of ensuring people stay happy and content and motivated and inspired sitting at home away from others all day, every day. And technology can ideally help with uh, both of these issues. You know, when we're sitting at home concerned about everything, concerned maybe we have parents that are home alone who are older, maybe they can't go out and get groceries and we're finding out ways that we can use technologies to make our lives easier, to stay more connected, to stay more motivated. There's a tremendous amount of need for that now. And, and the need results in people being okay to continue to socially distance themselves and okay and happy to stay inside and not spread the virus. Now, when it comes to what, what you're describing, using apps for, for contact tracing, yes, governments have absolutely put that together to, uh, and I think even Apple and Google are teaming up and announced today or, or yesterday or maybe two days ago, um, a service that allows you to know if you came in touch with someone who has the virus. I think all of this stuff is 
very useful, especially if it's opt-in um, and anonymous. I think it's very useful. And um, I think it can help dramatically reduce the spread of the virus. And so I think the, these apps and technology and data can really help our society come out of this. I, I think I've been on a lot of calls recently where people describe that they wouldn't even know what to do if they have access to the internet or TV to stay up to date or even what they should be doing or even just to socially connect with others. So I think technology is just playing a pivotal role in our happiness and in our, our physical and mental health. Yeah. And, you know, you, you live in California. So this is kind of the Silicon Valley where a lot of these interesting new ideas start um, and kind of also helping on that. So I'm kind of curious about Uber Media, the, the company you work for. As you said, you're the vice president of tourism and hospitality. Um, but what is Uber Media exactly doing? And is, do you guys have any data that you might, might want to share with us? Yeah, I appreciate your intro on the on the call, but to sort of give some more clarity of what we do at Uber Media, we collect data from mobile devices. So on your phone, if you've ever downloaded an app before and the app says this app would like to know your location, could be a game, a news app, sports app, weather app, radio app, whatever it is, we collect mobile location data from about 150,000 different apps from about a billion different devices around the world. And we collect it and we aggregate it so we can understand visitation uh, trends and insights over time. And we have been inundated with different use cases of this human movement data. But those um, use cases in the coronavirus world have evolved pretty rapidly. I mean, four weeks ago, destination cities and states were so worried people were social distancing. So mm -hmm. worried. They wanted to do whatever they could to understand where are people congregating, what are they doing when they leave their houses, how do we squash that? Now we're seeing pretty impactful social distancing as well as pretty good signs that were about to flatten a curve. So the use case of this data has turned away from are we social distancingly distancing aggressively to, well, places are flattening the curve, how can we monitor what people are doing in those areas in a good way? And how can we see what locals are doing going out and spending their time? Because at the end of the day, the economy, quote unquote, needs to reopen. And we need an effective way not just to measure people's social distancing, but just to measure what the heck are people doing anyway? And if they're doing it in a safe and healthy space and environment, how do we continue to promote that? Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Um, is that data, is that real-time data or is it like historical data? I'm just curious how how that works. Yeah, it, it come, we, we are like um, drinking from the fire hose 24-7 mobile phone locations around the world. However, it takes a lot of work to process that data, to contextualize that data, to clean the data and make sure it's really accurate. Mm -hmm. So our data ends up being about two or three days old, if you will which was considered real-time a few months ago, but now is, is obviously oh, two or three days old. That's, uh, it, it's no longer as real-time as uh, things have changed each day, but it's still a pretty incredible indication of how things are changing. And, and honestly, a lot of our partners we work with, they don't need an everyday update. They're looking for updates once a week. And so we, we usually provide those every Monday for the week prior type of uh, approach. Okay, yeah. So... 
So technically, what you can right now with that data you have uh, forecast, or at least not maybe not forecast, but evaluate like each country by country in the world, but maybe also region in the US to say, hey, they're doing a great job on social distancing. We can see that for sure. And based on this, we can model that when we would expect kind of things are coming back to normal again, flattening the curve. So mm -hmm. that is uh, that is what you currently can do with that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, by analyzing social distancing and seeing if there's a drop in social activity, we can then predict perhaps a flattening of the curve that will happen. That's the best use out of it. The, the true uh, number is really how many cases are being announced. You see cases being announced in like retirement communities, and those mm -hmm. people are basically sitting inside all day long. They're, they are social distancing, but they're still catching it. So it is a great precursor to identify these things. But at the end of the day, um, I know people across the country are basically looking every single day online to see how many cases are announced in their state or their county or their city. Okay. So um, just since you are in California and I just uh, know that this is the Silicon Valley there, I mean, Facebook, Google, Apple, uh, all the big ones are there and i'm sure they're kind of watching this and they were thinking how can we help right now what can we do to um provide data and see how we can uh help consumers not being infected or giving warnings to say you should go there but not there and stuff like this who in your opinion from these bigger players or maybe there's a startup we don't know is kind of the one that is close to a solution to come up with an app that everyone can download to get some information where they should go and where they should not go. Do you see anything coming out? Yeah. I, um, well, the people who have the most amount of data are Apple and Google at their devices. Facebook also has a tremendous amount of data thanks to Facebook's apps like uh, WhatsApp as well. Um, But the, I think Google and um, and Apple both also have relationships with our government, and this needs to be very much a regulated approach and not just something an app company does to sort of save the day. We want a real strong level of transparency into all of this. Um, so I, I believe very much uh, Apple and Google will, will lead the way and in a hopefully very transparent manner. Yeah, a trusted manner, I guess you could say. We want to be able to trust it. I think Facebook has had some issues with that word trusting, uh, trust. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so um, yeah, just you know the reality of the way I think they've handled things over the past uh, decade with people's information. Yeah, I, I just um, and I'm I mean I'm always looking into what service would be good right now, and I'm just describing a service there right now. I want to get your opinion on it, but. I want to find out an app that is being developed where I can download on my phone. And then this app, first of all, can tell me where I should go and where I should not go and ideally when I should go. So to kind of not being infected, because if I can, if I have a very high chance of not being infected, then I can literally go back to normal and do my everyday routine. So for example, if there is, Uh, let's say a, a grocery store as an example and we say in this grocery store that some people can don't go in this grocery store because we just saw that some people got infected maybe wait a few days to go in there um, it, this kind of technology I think would be something that would be useful um, for this and then we can also translate this technology into tourism saying 
you can go to destinations and maybe it can give you recommendations when you should go to places where you can feel pretty safe. But do you think is that kind of a technology that, that can be developed? Is that something that maybe is possible to be, be rolled out? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's where I think um, self-reporting is really helpful. I mean, I think about it in tourism. I think about it even in the apartment complex I live. I would like to know if someone here was diagnosed with it. Would that change my behavior? Probably not. Would it just spook me out? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it still satisfies a curiosity. In terms of tourism and getting on an airplane, and I would love to understand, like, I, I have family back off. I would love to go visit Boston. I would love to get a sense of what it's like, quote unquote, on the ground in Boston without having to talk to people. And, you know, people always ask me, what's it like here in Los Angeles? What's it like in Pasadena, Southern California? And I love providing my anecdotal information. But to get non-anecdotal or just maybe information from a lot of people, whether that's reported about cases in that area or businesses that have had cases or places where they haven't had cases, I think it does bring a good sense of how I can navigate this. You know, my wife and I want to hop in our car and drive places and be uh, tourists in California. I mean, you know, do an overnight trip somewhere. Well, the places that we want to go to, is it, uh, are they, what type of cases do they currently have right now? Uh, are restaurants even open or closed there? And that type of information will be important as we uh, plan our vacations this summer to understand what we can and can't do and where we should and shouldn't go across the country. And ideally, it just ends up encouraging travel, not discouraging it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, the biggest challenge we have right now, and I think we have reached the peak, at least, of that challenge, and it's the challenge fear. At the, I remember at the beginning of when the epidemic came out into the United States quickly. First, we didn't even think some, something like that were coming. And then two weeks later, we heard like, people starting doing shelter in place and shutdowns. And uh, I think there was just this fear that uh, people just say, I'm locking myself in. I don't want to leave the house. Uh, I'm terrified of this. And I feel that fear is a little bit, maybe we have started living with that fear and it's, but it's just being lifted a little bit. I, I, I feel now that people saying, I think we have reached the peak. Um, things are getting, we have a path to normal normality. And I think, that the majority is probably thinking like that, maybe not, but at least I just um, uh, project this right now that probably that's what, what I see here in the United States. Um, and I think once we get away from that fear of travel and travel is safe, then we will see a huge um, increase in travel in a lot of places. Um, my question is, when it comes to technology, is how can we um, help destinations that are pretty crowded? And I'm thinking about in your in your place down the Santa Monica Pier, right? Or into Las Vegas. Um, to people say, if I go in a club uh, that has 200 people in the room, uh, what can I do that I'm kind of uh, don't get sick or something like that? Right. And I know the 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 herd immunity is kind of what we are aiming for, but we're kind of a year away from that, I believe. Um, in the meantime, what do you think we should do on, on that kind of, on, the, on that travel behavior? Yeah, you know, um, such an interesting diaspora there. You think about going down to a pier, or even if, like, say Vegas, for example, it's one thing to go into a casino. Maybe you can wear a mask in there. 
maybe you can have some sort of technology that helps the casino. But then you think about a nightclub with people sweating, dancing, drinking, very different environment to have to approach. And so we're, we're definitely going to see a phased approach to quote unquote reopening a lot of this. We're going to see people who don't care. This topic of antibodies has come up uh, in the past week pretty aggressively, uh, maybe even less in the past week, and testing, testing, and more testing. I believe testing is the number one most critical thing we can do. And whether the positive results are then given to other people so they know you're tested positive, like, should I get tested too? Testing is the most critical thing that will enable more people to do things, whether that's te- whether it's extreme cases like people flying into America get tested as they board their flight in Europe to make sure they don't have it coming over here, whether it's testing um, going into event venues, uh, whatever it is, people do want to know that they have it. People don't want to interact with others if they do have it. So the testing ideally can really open up a world of people going out and doing stuff in a safe and approached manner. And that's why the faster we can do the testing, the more access to testing that we have, the more we can isolate people with these, uh, with the virus who currently has it, and they can self-quarantine for two weeks, get over it, or they can seek medical attention, and they can not infect others. So that's that's really, I think, the most critical thing we can do as um as a society. Okay. Um, I'm curious about, and this is off, off tourism, but I'm, I'm just curious about because you mentioned testing. I look at New York and California um, here in the United States. New York, the epicenter, and California, no one talks really much about California right now, and it's a huge population there. What are you guys doing different than New York? I'm just curious. Yeah, it's a great question. And this was what was so interesting. Yeah, we have less cases in California than we do even in Massachusetts. And, you know, we have less cases in Los Angeles than I think we do um, in, in a lot of other cities. So what did we do? Um, looking back, I remember when this all started to come out. And I remember the mayor of Los Angeles and the governor of California basically stopping, basically closing non-essential businesses right away. It was amazing. Basically the same weekend it happened. It was a Thursday. And that night, 5 p.m., the mayor gets on TV in Los Angeles and says, tonight at midnight, all business, all non-essential businesses are closed. And everyone, I remember my wife's business, too, was like, oh, my God, are we essential? Are we not essential? Scrambling around. But it was really like ripping the Band-Aid off. Like, we're closing things down right now. The social distance thing is real. We have to do it today. I remember that same weekend in New York, I believe it was that weekend and weekend after. They announced it on, like, a Friday And they said, okay, we're not doing it tonight, but Sunday by 8 p.m. was when all businesses closed. So it basically gave a 48-hour window of everyone being worried that they're not going to be able to go out and do things. And people went out and did things. They didn't close things right away. I think that was a major, major difference. Same sort of time frame. I remember uh, March 20th, the, the mayor of Boston says that they're not shutting anything down. There will be no shelter-in-place order. And then four days later, March 24th, they, he issues a shelter-in-place. So this this back-and-forth on decision-making really didn't prevent people from social distancing, whereas in California, they, they literally just clamped it down right away. And we all really appreciated that. We loved seeing our mayor and our governor on TV. They felt like real leaders taking real action in a time of crisis. 
And we were able to really, I think, flatten the curve in a way a lot of other destinations haven't been. And it'll be interesting to see how these some of these other destinations, like down in Florida, um, experience a growth or, or lack of growth in cases because uh, they were even perhaps later than God. Florida didn't uh, issue a shelter at home as a state until April 4th. So just really interesting to look at these time frames and then watch how the curve gets flattened. And of course, the opposite will happen when mm-hmm. California begins to open up and people can go to non-essential businesses. How will we see cases increase? What regulatory things are being put in place? Am I going to have to wear a mask uh, until there's a, uh, a vaccine in California? I don't know. What are events able to do? Uh, we're all looking forward to Destinations International in July. I'm really looking forward to that. Are they going to require a mask uh, while I'm there? Are they going to have heat centers to look at people's foreheads? Are they going to close the event entirely? I'm not sure, but I'm I'm hopeful I can show up and at worst case scenario, I have to wear a mask the whole time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, getting out there again. Yeah. I mean, I I was wearing a mask in the grocery store the other day and I don't like it. I mean, it's really, it's fogging my glasses and I'm not used to it. And I just, I'm just glad if I have that mask down again. Yeah. And I think the majority of us are like this. I mean, we're wearing it if it's absolutely necessary, but. We're, yeah, we're yeah. required to wear a mask here in Los Angeles if you're visiting a non-essential business. I'm sorry, if you're visiting a central business. So mm-hmm. you are not allowed to go to a grocery store without a mask. Mm-hmm. In certain areas like Riverside, you have to wear a mask even when you're outside on the street. So they're really doing whatever they can to stop the spread of this. And at the end of the day, if I have to wear a mask and I can go and visit businesses or or I don't have to wear a mask, but I can't visit businesses, I, ch- I choose the mask, my friend. Okay. So uh, uh, coming back to tourism. So a destination, uh, a, a population like in California that probably are now highly educated about how to do social distancing, wearing masks, choosing travel destinations this summer. Do you think they choose destinations uh, differently this year just because of um, maybe sanity, uh, uh, like uh, not sanity, but just uh, safety issues? Yeah, um, yeah. What do you think? Do, do I think that? Um, yes and no. Like I, I, like I mentioned, I want to go visit family in Boston and I'd like to be in Boston. I'm not concerned about there being lots of cases in Boston, but if all the restaurants are closed in Boston, that's totally going to change my itinerary. And that seems to go with a lot of tourism where I want to go. Like uh, we have friends in San Francisco we want to visit. I'm not worried about going to San Francisco and catching the virus, but Mm -hmm. if all the restaurants and shops are going to be closed in San Francisco, that's going to change a lot of what we decide to do while we're there. Maybe even our length of stay or maybe even when we go. Mm So um, that, that is my personal, uh, focus is when I get to the destination, are things going to be open or are they going to be closed? The museums I want to go to, are they going to be open or closed? Am I forced to just do things outside all summer? Maybe, but maybe that's a good thing, but like that's going to really dictate where I'm going is probably Mm -hmm. government regulation more than anything. Okay. So another uh, question that's not technology related, but relevant uh, flying, you mentioned it. Do you think, do you think flying will come back this summer or what, what do you think? I mean, do people feel comfortable flying? Yeah, I, I, right now, I feel in many ways a airplane is safer than a supermarket. There's less people. There's social distancing them. They have HEPA air filters that are circulating the air. Um, 
and in a supermarket, people are touching everything. There's a lot of people going in there. There's a lot of people breathing. It's it's um. I I believe that we're waiting for a herd mentality of well, I see other people going and traveling places on airplanes, and sure they might be wearing masks, but like I see them going and doing things. Like I want to do that too. And I remember back during the swine flu in 2009, 2010. Um, the, the death rate wasn't as high, but we didn't know that at the time. It was a pretty, in the moment, strong pandemic that a lot of people were worried about. I remember I wore an N95 mask and flew from Boston to Shanghai uh, to go and visit people in China. And I did so with a mask on the whole way. I remember looking around thinking, like, why doesn't anyone else wearing a mask? But um, I, I think there's just going to be some first movers doing this and I think they're going to showcase that you can do it to already book this summer. And the only reason I would cancel these plane flights this summer is if government regulation prevented me from doing things in the destination that I landed. Cool. So, Evan, coming back to the travel industry and our topic, like, can technology save it? Um, so, Do you think is there coming uh, coming up back with the technology question? Do you think is there some uh, developments happening where we have an app that will tell us uh, it's safe to travel to New York? Like let's say you booked you in LA and you booked a trip to New York or Boston, and this app can tell you you're flying tomorrow, and uh, it seems like you were. Uh, nearby other people very close that had the infection it's asked for you to go sheltering or quarantine or whatever it is and do you think is an app like this and then ultimately the next question is you would have to literally cancel your trip and will the airline be willing to kind of refund the money or something like this <laughs> yeah, is, good question. is there something you think that this is kind of a new normal with technology and apps It's a good question. Um, I, right now, airlines obviously have allowed you to rebook your trip, and I think that will hopefully stay in place for as long as uh, as long as necessary. Right, as long as people are are dealing with this. Um, otherwise, that will obviously create a lot of worrisomes to the travel environment. You do want to encourage people to be able to change their flight if they do have the virus. You don't want to have people who are like, "I'm so sick, I can't afford to cancel this flight." I'm going. I'm going yeah. anyway. So I think uh, there needs to be a nice marriage of, of that, um, and hopefully airlines and hotels will respect that because we all, at the other day, do want to be safe. We all want to be um, around people who aren't infected, and so if we can promote that as a society and not try to short focus on short-term profits, but focus on the safety of all of uh, all of our our residents and visitors to this country, then I think we'll be in a, hopefully a good shape to get out of this faster. Yeah, I, I agree on this. And I think that this is uh, a pandemic. Of course, we will survive and we'll come back to normal in a way. But I think the learning is out of this, this will not be the last pandemic. And with international travel that is now with airplanes everywhere in the world, a pandemic can come back like this uh, Maybe every year, maybe every 10 years, maybe 100, every 100 years. We don't know. But I think we have to just be absolutely better prepared in the future with using technology to uh, you know, do measurements and ultimately uh, preventing if, as much as we can these outbreaks. 
And uh, I think technology definitely has a big part of it. So, um, Evan, if you wanted to say any final thoughts to our audience with the, in the tourism industry, as I said, like our, our, our listeners are mainly small tourism destinations, attractions. Uh, what do you want to give them as final thoughts with the topic, technology, and your forecast outlook for the travel tourism industry? Yeah, my final thought with that is that if you're a destination and you have great things to promote, you have tools at your fingertips to promote them for free. And as we go into the summer, think about it, if you're a small destination, people might not really know anything about your big destination, even like a state like Idaho. People still might not know a lot about you. So you have the opportunity, a golden opportunity to market to people right now in the future about why your destination is great. And not, you don't have to, for once, not worry about are people going to come next weekend. You can just speak from the heart about what makes your small destination great and rich and exciting and vibrant. And you don't have to worry about people filling up hotel rooms next weekend. Take advantage of that opportunity, put together some heart and some love into your, into your marketing messages and start educating people on uh, what sets you apart and why they Okay. So I think we just lost Evan, but, um, but I'm here. you're here. Yeah, sorry about it. Okay. We heard like almost sorry the last. But um, <laughs> that's okay. Well, I think uh, we heard most of it. And uh, so we want to thank Evan for spending time in this episode talking about technology. And we hope that we coming back to a normal and can go to the conferences again and uh, listen to inspirational speakers like you about the latest in technology. We wish you all the best and um, we will be in touch and maybe we can do another session anytime soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to The Travel Exchange and you will hear from us regularly. You can find it online on iTunes, Spotify and various other outlets. If you have any podcast topic ideas, you can use the contact form on our website www.hermanglobal.com.